Welcome to the Elijah Rising podcast. Elijah Rising is an organization empowering women recovering from sexual exploitation. This episode is going to help you become more aware about the issue of sex trafficking and inspire you to take action. Hey, welcome to the podcast. I'm Adam, and today I'm joined by Kevin Lilly. Kevin is chairman of the Texas Alcoholic Beverage Commission, also known as TABC, and he was appointed to the role by Governor Greg Abbott here in Texas in May of 2017. And side note about Kevin Lilly, he is also a colonel in the Texas State Guard and serves as deputy commander of the 2nd Brigade, which is headquartered here in Houston, Texas. Welcome, Kevin. Thank you. Great to be here. We're so happy to have you on the podcast today. And one thing I didn't put in the notes, but um, Kevin also uh, was a tank commander at one point in his life as well, which is equally cool. But that's not what we're talking about today on the podcast. Right. Um, our primary and, and not a lot, not a lot of uh, not a lot of adaptability in the workforce being a tank commander. Sure, sure, sure. I just had I, to yeah. sort of run over things. That's so unfortunate. Um, <laughs> uh, the real question we're asking today on the podcast is how does law enforcement fight human trafficking? And so we're happy to have Kevin uh, join us today to talk about that. But first, before we dive into that question in particular, uh, Kevin, why don't you tell us a little bit about your own story, uh, how you got involved in your current role? Okay. Well, I come from a law enforcement background. Um, my father was a police officer and ultimately became a police chief of a of a community outside of San Antonio. So as I said, my, my father went to work every day carrying a weapon. Um, mm -hmm. So I sort of know and, and can be empathetic and sympathetic to the lives of the law enforcement community, which is not only the officers, but their families as well. Sure. They're often the unsung heroes in, in the law enforcement world. Uh, and so when the police are being beaten up, it's not just the, the guys and gals on the line, it's their families as well. So mm -hmm. sure. I have that background. And then, as you said, I have a military background, but also a business background. And um, what most people don't know is that the TABC is a what I call a bifurcated agency. It's unique in that it is both a regulatory body in which mm -hmm. we regulate all manufacturing, distribution, and selling of alcohol in the state of Texas. But also, we're, we're the third largest state police force. And so we're also a law enforcement agency. And we are tasked with crimes related to in and around the alcohol industry. So sure. any crime that occurs in a bar, anything that involves alcohol, vehicular manslaughter, et cetera, as well as fraudulent distribution and serving to underage minors. And then any crimes that occur within an establishment um, that sells alcohol. So it's kind of a broad mandate, but that sort of dovetails into the human trafficking element, which we can talk about in a second. So because of that bifurcation, half of the agency has to deal with a multi-billion dollar Texas industry. Right, yeah. It's a huge industry that employs a lot of people, generates a lot of taxes and revenue. And so because of my business background and my military background, I think the governor felt that I was in a position where I could relate both to the folks that do the auditing and do the regulatory and licensing, but also to the men and women that go out on the front line and go into harm's way, frankly, every day. Yeah, that's incredible. Um, and the fact that you're recognized for those skills and that experience, Kevin, um, from our governor, 
uh, is noteworthy. And, you know, we didn't go through your whole bio, but you do have two degrees in business administration and you have done other things in your life uh, other than driving a tank in law enforcement. And so um, you're right. I th- I, you are well suited for the job and, and we thank you for doing that. So you've kind of already jumped into where I wanted to go next. You know, like what is TABC? Um, how does, you know, what does the agency do? But especially, what role does the agency play in combating trafficking? You know, this is an anti-trafficking organization, Elijah Rising, and our podcast focuses on that. And so there might be some viewers and listeners that are like, why is he talking to the Alcoholic Beverage Commission chairman? So why don't you help uh, connect those dots for us? Yeah, yeah. Well, look, it, the, the TABC has evolved since literally the time of prohibition, mm. um, you know, fighting bootleggers back in the day in the Depression you know, the, the sort of the Bonnie and Clyde scene of the, you know, the, the, the agents chasing the bootleggers down the dirt roads yeah. uh, and has evolved over time. And I think that the old TABC that people think about is, you know, they're the, the, the folks that the kids with the fake IDs or they make bartenders lives miserable. Um, and what, what has happened is that, um, and especially when I, when I came on board, we sort of felt like there was great leverage that um, could be used even more strongly within the, the agency. And what I mean by that is the following. What most people don't realize is that uh, the TABC is uniquely equipped to go into any licensed establishment, that is anyone that sells, manufactures, distributes alcohol, any bar, any restaurant uh, that has a license without a warrant. So that gives us enormous leverage. Sure. Similarly to, if you may, might know, game wardens can basically go anywhere they want in the state of Texas without right. a warrant. If they right. feel there's a reason, they go. And that's a statute. And so because all of our agents have that ability and because we can walk in unannounced 24-7, that gives us great, great power and leverage. And, and that's frankly, the FBI can't do that. Police departments can't do that. Homeland Security can't do that. We're the only agency in the state of Texas that has that ability. And so because we have that unfettered access to these places, uh, that puts us uniquely in in a position to to use that to our advantage. The the next question, obviously, is, again, why TABC? Yeah. Um, And that's because what most people don't realize is that of the five primary venues for human trafficking based upon hotline calls. Mm -hmm fall within the TABC's jurisdiction. Hotels, especially hotels that have, you know, bars, restaurants and bars. So those three um, are places in which three of the five most used venues for human trafficking. Sure. Kind of makes sense because people think about if you go back to the old days of Texas, what went on in the saloon? Everything, gambling, prostitution, violent crime. Well, that hasn't really changed. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yes, they're probably not, there's not trafficking going on at your local Chili's, but considering there are 15,000 establishments in the state of Texas, mm. um, many of which are openly involved in sexually oriented businesses that also serve alcohol. Right. There's a lot that goes on um, throughout the state, um, especially on the border and in, in various parts of Houston as well. So, yeah. It's, it's prolific in these bars and in these restaurants. And so that's why we as an agency wanted to leverage that ability to do that. Um, and one thing that we, and what we've done is the legislature has been incredibly cooperative. Last hmm. year we were given uh, um, a, a very strong budget to build this process. 
We now have the largest concentration of anti-human trafficking law enforcement officers of any agency or law enforcement operation in the state. We have wow. 45 men and women who are primarily undercover um, working throughout the state. Um, we just uh, were fortunate to get uh, Major John Wall, who used to run and be in charge of, you know, John, he yep. was the head of the, the Human Trafficking Rescue Alliance for many years. He's come over now to head our what's called Special Investigations Unit. Right. It's primarily focused on human trafficking and then the ancillary things that go on. Money laundering is another big problem. Cartel involvement is absolutely um, front and center in human trafficking. So where there's narcotics, where's there, where there's money laundering, there's human trafficking. And it often all goes together uh, under these storefronts. Right. Cars, but there's storefronts for nefarious, sure. know, illegal activities. Yeah. And and it's unfortunately everywhere. So that's the long-winded answer of why TABC is well-suited to be involved in the fight. Um, and I can also talk about how we collaborate with other law enforcement, but that's that's the, that's the, the long answer to your short question. Yeah, I mean, it does seem that TABC is, I, th I think, as you said, like well-suited to do this because of the jurisdiction, the ability, you know, your state-level organization, and you've got the funding to put that many officers in the right places at the right time in effective ways to be able to see what's happening and respond to it. Um, it's incredible. And I know the um, addition of John Wall to the team is is a great, it's a great addition. So, um, great job. You guys, you guys are doing a, a, a great job and, and we've had the benefit here at Elijah rising to know some of those officers that are doing that work, um, and had conversations with them. We've learned from them. They've learned a little bit from us. And so we appreciate the work that you're doing, especially just including organizations like ourselves, you know, nonprofit organizations, a faith-based nonprofit for that matter, uh, in right. the conversation of how to be more effective in reaching, um, into these spaces where, You've done a good job of explaining where all of these um, sorts of nefarious activities are kind of coming under one roof. Um, so thanks for doing that. Sure. <laughs> um, and we're happy to participate in that work. But I wonder when you got into this role, um, you know, however that played out, whether, you know, Governor Abbott called you or, you know, whatever the process was. I wonder, though, if you expected to be playing such a critical role in the state's um, mission to fight trafficking? Like when you stepped into this chairmanship, did you know that this is what you would be doing? No, no, not really. I mean, I, I knew that there was a, a role there. Um, but, you know, after some investigation and discussions hmm. you know, and, and the hiring of an extraordinary um, executive director, retired um, uh, Army Brigadier General Bentley Nettles, we, you know, we collectively said, you know, we, we can do more. Hmm. Um, and so we began putting together a template to expand the operations of our special investigations capability, uh, which included obviously going back to the legislature and, and, and explaining what we were doing. And again, I, I, I really do applaud the governor who um, he and, and, and Mrs. Abbott are passionate about this topic. Um, the legislators, Mrs. T, as we call yeah. you know, in, in Houston, the longest serving state representative. She is an enormous supporter of our agency and this effort, as you guys know. Yes. Yeah. Um, and what I love about her is that she talks and walks the walk. Yeah. Um, and I think that's something that we also need to do more of um, in creating outrage 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, at the, at the elected official level, mm-hmm. creating outrage at the public level. Um, because, you know, times are tough right now for a lot of people. It's sure. Difficult for our industry. They're suffering greatly. Everybody knows somebody in the restaurant or bar business and everybody knows somebody whose restaurant or bar failed during the pandemic. And Absolutely. So, with revenue being tight at all levels, municipalities, state governments, we have to, to you know, be mindful that it's a precious resource, but this is a worthy resource uh, that sometimes get lo- gets lost. Yeah. Uh, because it's not it doesn't, it's hiding in plain sight. Sure. It is. Absolutely. That's well said. It, and, and, you know, and, and the media, frankly, I don't think does a good enough job in exposing it. You know, you sure you hear about the, the big drug bust and the murders that are going on. 15 girls that are rescued from a cantina somewhere yeah. in the state of Texas. That often doesn't make the news. Doesn't make a headline. Yeah, that's, and, that's and, true. And it's sort of, there's also a, oh, that doesn't happen in my neighborhood. It's yeah. A, right. Which, which is a, first of all, is a tremendous lie. Uh, human trafficking goes on in every neighborhood. It is, it is absolutely agnostic to socioeconomic background or race or gender. That's right. Yeah. So, you know, kids from Katy to, to Deer Park to West University, River Oaks, the fifth, wherever. Yeah. Because it's a human commodity that is not based upon a demographic and simply because you belong to one. And it's not just illegal immigrants. No, it's not. You know, and so as we start to realize that, wow, this can happen to our own daughters or Mm. something, um, then we I think that people's eyes open. I mean, we we my wife and I know of families whose daughters have been trafficked. Yeah, Um, right. Good families. Right. Kids that go to, to good schools that were seemingly had their act together and then they got involved in some grooming and then pornography and then it all leads to narcotics and, yeah. and often a bad end. So it's not just smuggling immigrants over. It's everyone. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you referenced your wife. Uh, so we should just give a shout out to Leslie Lilly right now. She's been a long time uh, advocate and warrior and, um, and, and loud voice, if I might say, for, uh, uh, on this issue. And she's been a long time partner of Elijah Rising in our work. And so, Leslie, we hope you're watching and listening. And we thank you for your um, long running service, not just to organizations like us and to, and to your husband, but um, to really to the women and the, and the men and the children that are affected by trafficking. Um, I have a, I wonder, Kevin, in, in your time at TABC, what I'm kind of picking up from you a little bit is that the, the focus on trafficking has actually increased. Uh, right. since you've been there. So what do you think the primary contributing factor to what, what's the primary contributing factor to the increased focus and resources? Cause you're talking about, you know, having 45 plus officers that are doing this work. How did it get there? Like how, wh- how did we, and how do we replicate that across other law enforcement agencies and other spheres of influence as well to put more emphasis on this? Well, you know, it started, we have always been in partnership with the, the, the Rescue Alliance, and we've always mm. been, that's always been an issue that's gone on. Um, but I think that as the problem became more and more apparent, and, and every year the, the trans, the, uh, um, the situations become more transparent. Sure. Awareness grows. Yeah, right? yeah. And so, 
we simply, you know, John Wall was a great example. Um, we also uh, hired a couple of former HPD officers, um, a uh, uh, Captain David Witt mm-hmm. uh, and Alan Wallace, who had been sort of on the front line with HPD. They came and brought, I think, a great awareness. Um, uh, Captain Witt is, um, you know, has been involved in our special investigations operation, working under Major Wall. And so as we grew the awareness, we realized that, you know, we needed to do something about it. And so we made it. And, and my mission when I came on as chairman is to say that my mission as chairman is that this agency will yeah. see do nothing short of eradicating human trafficking from all licensed establishments. That's a mission statement. Wow. Complete eradication of human trafficking from all licensed establishments, anywhere that sells alcohol, et cetera. Now that is an enormous task, right? Uh, and sometimes you feel like you're picking away at an iceberg. <laughs> um, but nonetheless, as people make it a priority um, and people emphasize the priority, then the funding comes. And unfortunately, with it's true with anything. Without the money, you can't do anything. Sure, absolutely. We know you that. Know, and this time of defunding police, I think, is so extraordinarily, hmm. it's so short-sighted because they're focusing on a few issues rather than the fact that we need to actually refund the police and perhaps redirect funding to dealing with this type of crime. It takes a lot of people. It takes boots on the ground. I mean, it's a long investigation process. Yeah, sure. Walk into a bar and say, okay, you're being trafficked. You're being, you know, it's, it's, it's literally months of undercover operation. It's collaboration. We've done you know, we have to, whenever we go into an operation, TABC never wants to be the arresting authority because we never want to blow our cover. Right. Once you, once you betray an undercover officer's identity, he or she is done. Hmm. Um, so they've, their cover's been blown and, and it's also an extraordinarily dangerous. Yeah. Cartels do not deal deal well with undercover operations. As sure. well. Absolutely. So I wonder, do you, do you think... Is law enforcement the solution? I mean, you've you've made it a mission statement within TABC, right? And I know that that mission statement is narrowed to licensed establishments. You're not like your mission isn't eradicate trafficking across the world, right? Um, But do you think law enforcement is the solution or is the solution more complex? Does it demand more partnership? What do you you think? Uh, Law enforcement is only an answer. It is Mm -hmm. the answer. It's not a singular or binary issue, right? It is all about collaboration with organizations. I think that law enforcement certainly can do a lot, but it has to be public awareness. It has, you know, if you see it, talk about it. Yeah. Uh, You know, you walk into the local steakhouse, there may be people involved that are, that are um, uh, being trafficked, labor trafficked, Mm. Uh, you walk into a restaurant and there may be um, young women around the bar at a very fine establishment that may be sure. trafficked. Sure. And I get into the argument with people that say, well, it's just, no, that's just prostitution. Hmm. You know, I, I, I shudder at the thought that anyone would minimize, you know, a selling of, of your own flesh out of desperation as something that's just going on. And that's, yeah. Okay. And they should be able to do that. You know, we, we should deregulate that like in Europe and and it should be fine. 
But I find that no young man or woman wakes up one day and says, my career is going to be in the sex trade. That's right. A situation of desperation and or mostly victimization. Um, and so the more that we as, as individuals are aware and the more outrage that comes from the public. So that poor group like, like you all um, do such a good job. You're, you're not limited by politics. You're not limited by government budgets. Yeah. It's outrageous and vocal and not worry about political repercussions. Those of us that are in the public, the public world have to be much more cautious um, uh, about how we approach things. Um, this is also, remember, an enormous business. This is a $150 billion global industry. Absolutely. Okay. Narcotics is about twice that. Mm-hmm. Promise you, there's not half the resources dedicated to narcotics enforcement as there is a human trafficking. Mm. A fraction of it. And so I think the other issue is while everybody understands the problem, it's always the squeaky wheel gets the grease. Sure. It's where is most of, you know, murders on the street is a, is is that's a horrendous crime, but it's also a very visible crime. Mm. And it all results in outrage. And by gosh, we're not going to have any more, mur- you know, the, the murder rate's too high. We're going to increase the budget and increase our homicide department. Unfortunately, with human trafficking, because it's such a long process to make arrests and to make them stick. And there's certain laws that yeah. you know, the women have to outcry, right? And there many of them don't outcry because they understand that they'll be killed or their family will be killed. Absolutely. Absolutely. At situations where we go in and we make an arrest, we bring in uh, a number of women and then someone shows up and tells them, basically, you'll you'll keep your mouth shut. Yeah. You know it's good. yeah. And so we're trying to, to, to subtly change the law to make it more like uh, where the, the arresting officer has the ability to to um, to use evidence to make the arrest. And it doesn't require outcry. But so there, it's a long process. And sure complicated legal process. Um, and, you know, aggravated prostitution is also human trafficking as opposed to prostitution is just a, is a misdemeanor, right? Right. We also don't want to focus on the women. We want to focus on the handlers. The women are victims in our mind at our agency. And basically you talk to HPD or Harris County or Fort Bend County Sheriff's Department. They're not interested in putting these young women behind bars unless they feel they have to for their safety. Sure. Right. Uh, uh, and and so we're not trying to arrest the victims. We're trying to redirect people's thought that they are victims and we need to eradicate the money behind it um, and close down these institutions that are involved. Yeah. Yeah, it's excellent. That, that's so well said. Um, we're going to take a break in the podcast here. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about that direct connection, which Kevin's already kind of going into that. Um, the direct connections and how TABC specifically targets uh, the trafficking issue. So hang with us. We'll see you on the other side. 
Four years ago, we started making candles in my kitchen because we had a dream to empower women recovering from sex trafficking. After years of growing, changing, and perfecting what we truly believe to be the perfect candle, we now sell goods across the country that empower women who are recovering from sex trafficking. And we want you to help us so that we can give more jobs to women that are in our program. Go to shop.elijahrising.org and you can see some of the most amazing goods you've ever tried, as well as empower the next woman to have a future after sex trafficking. And we have a special code for all of our podcast listeners. Just use the code podcast when you check out for a special discount. Hey, welcome back to the podcast. Kevin, I want to, you've done such a great job of explaining the issue and explaining law enforcement's role, but I kind of want to circle back to you again. And um, I wonder if you can think of a couple things, maybe one, maybe two, what are some things that you've learned about trafficking since taking this role as chairman? Maybe some things that surprised you, maybe some assumptions that you had that were corrected or some just, you know, epiphany moments about trafficking since you became the chairman of uh, TABC. Sure. Well, I think probably the greatest thing was my tremendous ignorance um, okay. prior to joining and being appointed this position. And yeah, I'm 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 not an ill-informed person. I try to keep up on you know events of the world, but my lack of understanding of the magnitude of human trafficking was was you know grotesquely mm-hmm. inappropriate and and underserved, and uh, I just wasn't aware. Now. You know, I'd seen like everybody else seen the movie Taken. Taken, uh, yeah. You know, sort of a, a horrific example of of, of what happens there, uh, and I kind of thought that was sort of the way it happened and and whatnot. Which, by the way, that is usually not the way right. people are trafficked. Yeah, uh, it's a slow burn. It's a it's a it's a a tableau. It's a seduction. It's there's grooming involved, and you know they prey on certain primarily young women in high schools kind of yeah. get them into process. And so it's a, it's, it's almost a, a type of, of if you, the old world of word of brainwashing or almost type of, of hypnosis psychosis that they, that they use. So, you know, the idea of breaking into your house and kidnapping your daughters and throwing them in the van, I mean, that does happen tragically. Sure. Yeah. So that, so my lack of understanding, uh, which I think is is tragic because if I don't know it, I'm sure my neighbors don't as, as well or my colleagues. exactly yeah exactly um, the magnitude of the business. Hmm. I mean, I run and when I looked at the dollars involved, uh, the magnitude of the victims 20 billion victims of human trafficking in the world right now 20 billion yeah victims of trafficking 150 billion dollars a year in revenue. Uh, and we don't even know. I mean, that's, that's, that's an extrapolated guess. Like it could be twice that. Right. Uh, and so I just, the, the, the magnitude of it. And then back to, I think the, the other thought that, you know, we always sort of think that it's, it's, it's specific to a socio demographic mm-hmm. when it's not. Yeah. And it's that's not right. specific to a, an ethnicity. It's, it's completely across the board. Flesh is flesh. And when you yep. have that insatiable desire that, that is unfortunately there, it's fed through this process. And it is, in my mind, worse than narcotics mm. um, because, as you and I discussed, narcotics are immediately perishable. You get one use. Right. right? And so if you forgive my crassness, but if you use it from a business perspective, the margins 
on human trafficking are almost exponentially greater. Sure. Because, and this is horrifically graphic, but these young ladies, it's not one and done. They sometimes are being used 20 times a day. Right. Seven days a week. Do the math. Yeah. So the heart, you know, whereas in narcotics, it's a perpetual issue of distribution, right? And transportation, shipment, et cetera. In human trafficking, once you get the victims into the place where they're working, other than occasionally moving them around to avoid law enforcement, they're pretty much there. And yeah. they're there as long as, frankly, they stay alive. Right. Right. Um, and right. The, the, the tragic ends of these young men and women is, is, is pretty horrific. You know, Indeed. Of Indeed. drug overdoses, being beaten to death, trying to escape, getting caught. I mean, it's, it is absolute modern day slavery. Um, and the more the other the last point is that the more you dig into it, the uglier and more disgusting it gets. Yeah. I mean, to the point where if people really knew how bad it was, they'd be screaming from the rooftops to do something about it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Kevin, I keep hearing you and almost every question I've asked at some point, your answer has touched on awareness. I don't know if you've caught that, but it's, it's been the through line um, throughout the entire interview so far is it's the awareness. Like we have to make sure that people, that the average citizen knows, that law enforcement knows, that elected officials know, that other agencies know. And it's, it's not enough to just know that trafficking is a thing because you even touched on it on the first half of the podcast. It's like a lot of people know, but they think, well, but that doesn't happen here. So it's like, no, 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 no. Like the awareness has to be deep awareness. It has to be education. It has to be educational that you understand the gravity of it, the immensity of it. Um, And that makes it, that makes it hard um, kind of on people like, you know, yourself who are in a law enforcement agency and people even in, in the awareness business like us, Elijah Rising, because I feel like we're constantly just saying the same things over and over and over and over and over again. And yet there's still a very large segment of our population that does not know that, that they are still not aware of the issue. Um, so it's encouraging to me, though, to hear you talk about that as somebody who is in such a significant place of influence and leadership to where you keep going back to, well, the primary job is we have to make people aware. Uh, of the issue. And so as, as an organization that does awareness, we appreciate having partners <laughs> that are doing that work um, at such influence. Well, I think it's the, it's the media as well, right? Sure. You know, absolutely. It's gotta be everybody. The media wants to focus on the big flashy crime. Sure. You know, uh, the outrage of how could this possibly happen? Um, and yet you have literally thousands and thousands of young people in this city that are being victimized by human trafficking every day. And the media is kind of like, yeah, we know it's important, but let us know when someone, you know, dies on a video that we can show. Right. Because that's when our people are going to watch it. Look, that's just, that hasn't changed for a hundred years. Sure. The journalism business. I'm not blaming the media. It's just a function of, I wish they would become a little bit more focused on the, the, the outrage involved here. And, you know, yeah. They're trying yeah. to put their, their businesses. They're trying to put eyeballs on the TVs and they know what sells. And it's all about ratings. Yeah, sure. And it's all about sure. ratings. And I just, yeah. I'm not saying they're bad people. I'm just saying, I wish that they would be more aware uh, and yeah. make of a priority within the news agencies. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, let's circle back to TABC here. I, I wonder, I, I know, um, just to be very clear for, you know, for our viewers and our listeners, like, um, I'm not, I'm not trying to get Kevin to disclose, you know, um, investigation tactics or anything like that. But Kevin, I, I do wonder if you could kind of circle back to TABC's unique role, your unique ability. I know we talked about funding and emphasis, and you've created a mission statement for the organization. Um, but what, is there anything else that makes TABC uniquely effective? Because you guys are effective in this work. What makes you uniquely effective in this fight against trafficking? Um, you know, maybe juxtaposition to other agencies, even perhaps law enforcement agencies um, that aren't experiencing as much impact. What What is it about TABC? Well, I'm going to back up by saying that and this sort of, this will answer that. Sure. Um, and other law enforcement agencies are limited to what they can do legally, right? And so it, it has to be a collaboration. Yeah. I think as I as I mentioned before, TABC never wants to be the arresting agency um, because we frankly don't want people to know who, who you are. People. Yeah. I mean, undercover is a very delicate and incredibly the most dangerous aspect of law enforcement is undercover work, without mm. question. They are treated like spies. They are mercilessly treated. Yeah. Uh, the the end of an undercover agent is not pleasant, and we never want to see our undercover agents placed in a position where their life is threatened more than it is in their normal course of work. Yeah, absolutely. So we have to rely upon uniformed the FBI, which we do great work with uh, the, the the local uh, the uh, the local district attorney's office, the H, HPD, you know, um, Harris County, all the different sheriff's departments. They are the, they're the ones that are ultimately going to go in and arrest the bad guys, right? We're providing them intelligence. So we are doing, we're the eyes and ears. We're observing whether the van leaves the motel every day at five o'clock and 13 girls get out of the back of a van and go into this particular bar. Right. Watching that. And we're being very careful not to tip our hand. So, I mean, it's just basic undercover work. I think the effectiveness is really attributed both to, to really to uh, General Nettles, our executive director. And we now have begun in collaboration with Texas A&M. So shout out to all the Aggie listeners. <laughs> you went and to UT though. That, that's that's, that's UT, bold of you, you know, to, to give them a shout out. Yeah, I love, I, we, we love the Aggies. No, they do great <laughs> work and they're, they're, they're great supporters of law enforcement. Yeah. And the chancellor, Chancellor Sharp has uh, allowed us to use their, what's called you Aggies will know the what's called the Relis Complex, uh, which was an old military base that they've used for um, for us to do work. And we've created, I think, one of the best undercover operation training facilities in the country. Wow. Uh, maybe on our website, uh, but we're helping teach everybody how to do undercover ops. Wow. Because undercover operations is not just for human trafficking. It's narcotics. It's it's it's. Um, you know, it's money laundering. It's any kind of crime um, that in which you don't you want to be hiding in plain sight as a law enforcement officer. So, our agency has done an extraordinary job under General Nettles and and others to work on uh, really trying to perfect the undercover aspect hmm. of law enforcement. And it's you know it's it's tough. You know you you I first of all I cannot imagine the bravery involved in some of our deep undercover agents who literally live a different life. Um, yeah. Don't know what they do. Yeah. 
uh, and and they can never really come out from under the facade. And so it's it's it takes a certain type of person to do undercover work because it's not like you can share what you do with a neighbor. Right. Um, sure. You may not sure. even be able to share it with your family. Yeah. The anxiety that, that builds up within they're, they, they all deal with post-traumatic stress. Hmm. Anybody who deals in law enforcement, frankly, deals with PTSD. It's not just a military phenomenon. Yeah. So, you know, it's tough, but I think what, Hopefully, our if there's a secret sauce, it's that we are really trying to do better hmm. at making that process and improving the process of undercover police work. Which, you know, every agency in the state in the country is supportive of us doing that, and every agency is absolutely behind trying to build their undercover operations. But it just yeah. it takes a tough, different type of person that wants to do that as a career. Sure. Yeah. Well. Speaking of tough people who care about the issue, um, I want to turn to our listeners and our viewers of this episode right now. And I wonder, Kevin, if you can give them a tangible. Um, we, we, we love doing this podcast, but we often want to end our episodes with something like a takeaway, like the, the, the so now what moment. So what can our listeners do to help? Is there a role that they can play? Can they participate? Can they... Um, what can they do with all this information? Well, I think that anything that they can do to increase awareness of human trafficking is, is important. Your listeners yeah. are involved in faith-based organizations. They're involved in governmental organizations and business organizations, breakfast clubs, lunch clubs, women's clubs, men's clubs. To the extent that they can make human trafficking a subject that is discussed within their organization. Yeah. If community outreach hour at your company, if there is a, you know, law enforcement hour at your breakfast club hmm. or your lunch club or your Bible study or what have you, having that as part of your agenda to say, you know, at some point this year, we're going to talk about human trafficking and we're going to bring in a subject matter expert to talk about it. Um, you know, I think that that is, that is really important. And the more that we make people aware the more that we want literally people to stand on the rooftops and scream outrage that, you know, how can this happen? Um, and um, so I, I think that that's, that's really important. And also dealing with, with your, your, your legislators, hmm. you know, have, whenever you sit down in a town hall, yeah, ask your representative, what are they doing about human trafficking? Yeah. Yeah. They're in session they right now. You, yeah, you can no, call them, email them, uh, write them. They're in session right now. Uh, and, and, you know, they are, there are great champions within the, the Texas House and Senate, like Mrs. T and others um, that are passionate about this subject. So the more they get the support from their constituents that, hey, we, we like what you're doing and we want you to do more. Um, and we want you to know that we hope that you're placing human trafficking as a primary agenda yeah. item in this session, then it's not just for us. I mean, it's every agency needs assistance and, and um, uh, everyone needs to be able to sharpen the sword to hmm. try to eradicate this crime. Um, yeah. So, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll close with a vignette, which is not a, a good one. Um, <laughs> okay. We, uh, because, yeah. It's, it's all about, 
we like to say that criminals don't operate at the speed of government. In fact, mm -hmm. they operate at the speed of business because there's no regulatory that they just make a decision and they do it. Right. Whether it's legal or illegal, and it's normally illegal. And so we have to operate at a speed that we have to work with them. And sometimes, you know, there's a confluence of the public's desire for action and the reality of what we have to work with. Yeah. Uh, we went and closed down a, um, a, a dance club, um, I guess, vernacular strip club in mm -hmm. San Antonio. Uh, they had 15-year-old girls working there. Uh, so we were able to go in, take their license, shut down their operation. Unfortunately, the next day they reopened it's what the, in what is called a BYOB. And I think the other problem to leave your audiences with and something that we're just now becoming aware of on a greater scale is that a BYOB is basically a unlicensed bar. Yeah. You don't sell alcohol, but you allow alcohol to be used on your premise and you might charge for admission or charge for, you know, for Cokes and whatnot. And many of them are legitimate, you know, bingo parlors and BFW halls. So we're not worried about those folks. We're worried about the ones that basically are using it to operate outside of the TABC and frankly, outside of law enforcement. Sure. Because to register, nobody knows. We don't even know how many of these places there are in the state of Texas. And you can have a location in one place one weekend, and then you pick up and you go to another place the next weekend. So this place basically thumbed their nose at law enforcement. And within a day, they reopened as a BYOB. And there was all of a sudden that jurisdiction that we have, because they're no it's longer gone. licensed, we can't go in. And um, so everything that we had worked on was done away with. Now, the good news is, is that the legislature is very much aware of that, and they are working I think there are some bills that are um, going to be in the session, hopefully, that will deal with that. But it, that's that's another. I yeah. never knew that. Yeah. You know, uh, and also, a BYOB has no limitations on being in proximity of a school. That's right. There's yeah. a BYOB across the street from Straight Jesuit High School, where my son attended. Yeah. The priest there, you know, he calls up and says, Kevin, all this, you know, there, <laughs> there's violence, there's violence spilling out. It's right across from... From the from the high school, what can you do about it? And unfortunately, nothing. Yeah, nothing about. It. Yeah, yeah. That's an interest. I had not even thought in that direction. Um, and that's, human trafficking is going on there as well. Sure. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Right? Yeah. Well, Kevin, I want to thank you for your work um, and for your time. And I just want to give you a little bit of space here at the very end. Like, is there anything that we haven't covered that you think we should have a question that we didn't ask that we should have asked um, or any final closing thoughts from you? You know, I, I um, in a public position, you, you know, sometimes you have to be careful about expressing your faith openly. Sure. Um, definitely those that feel that that is inappropriate. Um, or have a certain hostility. I am a man of faith. And, you know, I believe that organizations such as yours, and I'm wearing a, a, a band yeah. or Street Grace, mm -hmm. faith-based organization um, dedicated to the ending of human trafficking. I know you know those folks. Yeah. And so I really applaud Elijah Rising because you're focusing this on the spiritual aspect as well. This is not just a, a statutory violation. It is a crime against the soul of a person. Yeah. You enslave someone and you dehumanize them. You basically are eradicating the soul from that person. 
Mm. Into a machine. And so I think as faith-based organizations, including churches, synagogues, mosques, temples, etc., I would hope that all faith-based organizations like yours would make this a priority. Yeah. That preachers would preach about it from the pulpit, that priests would talk about it, you know, that 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 imams would talk about it, rabbis would talk about it that they would make their congregations aware of the problem and understand that this is, you know, this is, a, this is, if you're a believer, this is a crime against God. Yeah. Yeah. And even if you're not a believer, it's a crime against humanity. That's right. And we should all be of all beliefs and non-beliefs united in this effort. So it's not a religious issue. It's not a Catholic issue. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's an issue of humanity. It is. However you manifest that, it just has to be done. That's right. We could not have closed the podcast any better than that final statement. I appreciate um, I appreciate that very much. I know our listeners do, our viewers do. And so, Kevin, once more, thank you so much for your work. Thank you for your service to this country at various levels. Um, thank you to your family, because I know this is a family issue for you guys. Um and, and thank you for taking the time to, to spend uh, here with us. I know you're busy. You got stuff going on. Um, but thanks for taking the time to be on the Elijah Rising podcast with us today. And, uh, and we appreciate you very much. And thank you guys for all the great work you're doing. And anytime. Thank you for joining us today for this episode. If you were inspired by this content today, please share, rate, and leave a review. Also, please consider making a donation at elijahrising.org slash donate. Your support helps us continue the vital mission to combat sex trafficking. Until next time.